Hey, this is Scott Galloway, author, professor, entrepreneur, and most importantly, host of the Prop G podcast. We got a special series running on right now called The Future of Work, where I answer all your questions on, surprise, The Future of Work. Questions including, what are we missing when we work remotely? Or how do we handle work-life balance when a major opportunity comes knocking? From the provocative to the technical, we're offering insights you won't want to miss. So tune in to The Future of Work, a Pod special sponsored by Canva. You can find it on the Pod wherever you get your podcasts. can't get over how cool that intro is i am mason west and this is danny me danny how are you doing today i'm good man uh i guess i got some news that i'm comfortable sharing enough now mason is known a couple of the other people in our bears community is known my wife is currently pregnant i will not uh reveal the gender as i know i do have family and friends that listen to this and they do not know yet but uh yeah gonna be a dad i'm a overgrown kid that's gonna have a kid of his own in february that is like just so exciting dude i'm so happy for you that's that's fantastic yeah it's it's good time you know uh second the wife is in the second trimester she's um doing about as well as you can think just pure fatigue muscle aches just and food cravings that become aversions and vice versa well, it Except, sounds like if she was on this Bears team, she probably would have set up practice and been listed as, you know, a DNP with how this list is going. <laughs> it's just it's just what they do, just DNP. Uh, but that kind of brings us into what we're going to talk about today. Uh, we're going to go over some of the news from this last week, uh, some different articles and stuff that popped up, and then do a, the best preseason final game preview you can, I guess. It's, you know, against the Buffalo Bills uh, this Saturday, but that's... You know, there's only so much you're, we're going to talk about. It's a preseason still. Dude, I was going to say, does anyone actually care? Um, <laughs> I watch because I'm a football junkie and I'm sick in the head. And for some reason, Tyson Bagent led football and PJ Walker led football just really appeals to me. Because I'm, I'm a masochist, right? Masochist likes pain. I think it's masochism. Yeah. I will say, I didn't watch the last preseason game live. I had to go back and, and watch it later. And after man that pj walker section was hard to get through and then the Beijing one was like oh this is cool and then when nathan peterman came in i was like okay this is hard to get through again <laughs> the peterman doesn't do it for you god i'm i'm just over that whole experience at least there's something kind of interesting with the whole qb3 versus qb2 thing with Beijing because you know 
Peterman, I appreciate what you did. The tank was awesome. You know, uh, you helped us get some losses, but other than that, I'm yeah, fine. Yeah, pretty much squad, where, it's, where it's at. But again, just uh, touching on some news from today. Um, Bears starters are going to play Saturday versus Buffalo. Uh, there will be a coaches meeting at 1:45 p.m. to determine how many snaps starters get, such as Justin Fields. Ultimately, how much they're going to play. Uh, I personally felt that this was important for this team to get some reps here. Not like, not like, oh my God, doom and gloom important, but pretty important. Uh, what about you, Danny? I'm with you just because, again, maybe it's just the old, quote unquote, old school in me, the coach, the whatever, the former player, et cetera, et cetera. Um, just there is a necessary callousing. I know I said that our last show, but there is something that you need to do this. You need to hit until like even full contact practices aren't full contact. It's the, the thud or the smack or whatever you want to call it. They're not going to the ground. Yeah, exactly. I mean, there, there is a, there's a technique to how do you fall, right? I mean, that's I, legitimately, I work on that with uh, patients who are coming back from, from injuries. I'm like, all right, well, you know, you, you rolled your ankle, you tore ACL, whatever. Well, how do you take contact? That's super important. Mm-hmm. Um, and not just that. So let's say for the sake of argument too, you know, and we know that like you know, there's going to be a, a new center, and it sounds like it's going to be Lucas Patrick. How many snaps has Justin really taken from Lucas Patrick? Period. And then you know, obviously, you go back to last year, there were some, but then how many live reps has he taken snaps from Lucas Patrick? Minimal. So even if it's only I don't know, let's say twenty snaps, those twenty snaps are good. You work out some of the, some of the kinks, the rust, the communication. That this line is going to be playing together live for the first time, whatever that concoction ends up ultimately being, you know, let's, let's say it's going to be Braxton Jones, Cody Whitehair, Lucas Patrick, uh, Nate Davis. And then you got, I'm, I'm thinking Darnell, right. We'll get to that in a second, but let's, or whoever else that might be, you still need to, the communication is super important with all that. So let them, let them play. You know, we haven't gotten to see that. And also we haven't seen Justin throw the ball down the field. He had three passes through all three of which were very short two of which were screened specifically. So throwing the ball downfield and getting some tempo would be nice too. Yeah, that'd be really nice. And just, you want to see your starters play. Like I get it. And I understand to an extent why we didn't see the play in Indianapolis because they probably had what they deemed two true preseason games in those live practices but it it doesn't it's not live practice it's not a game but yeah i mean i'll be watching cuz i'm sadistic and this is just what i do but and i was going to save this for the a future section but um yes lucas patrick is in fact day to day again mm-hmm. uh, we'll we'll touch on that more specifically uh but that does matter too cuz if it's not lucas patrick and Cody Whitehair can't snap, who is your center? Are you going to roll out Doug Kramer, who I, I'm not I a big think, fan of? Or I don't gonna, think Doug Kramer can play, man. From what I've seen, he's not good. So is it? there's that one Twitter account. It's like at I'm bearing down or something like that. I should grab it because he does a really – whoever that is does a very good job of compiling snaps um, and put their name on Twitter. But he they put together the Doug Kramer one, and every play was either him whiffing or him not moving somebody like him. Like it was like, he was pushing a sled that just was too heavy and he wasn't going anywhere. Just running in place. Mm-hmm. So if it's not Doug Kramer, who's your, and Lucas, let's say Lucas Patrick doesn't play Cody Whitehair's your guard because of his hand. Who's your center? The, the, 
the the in, the logic I would go to is we heard rumor or not rumors we had substantiated reports that Tyree Carter was taking snaps in mini camps and OTAs as the center. Yeah, that'd be my next logical step, right? Like he's probably the guy I'd most be interested in seeing play center if if you're not going to have your regular starter, you know. And there's another uh, two people just brought that up, both N White, boom, Dieter, and Cornelius Squalls also brought up Dieter Island. He's like someone that's interesting. I know he's got taken snaps there. It's it's interesting to me that he's been here for a while, right? I mean, because he was and he, he, he wasn't brought here in the pace regime with. Yeah, he was brought here by Pace. He wasn't brought here by Pulse. Right, so he's here from the Pace regime. Obviously, they've kept him. He's been here. They went out and got a Lucas Patrick, right? They went out and decided to, you know, move Cody Whitehair. Like, he's – they have they had uh, Tyree Carter take snaps, like you said, in, like, OTAs and early. He just really hasn't been in their plan. I think there's a reason for that. Like, they know best, and they just haven't – he hasn't even been considered. Yeah, I mean, but I guess you could make the argument the other way of they've kept him around. So there's clearly something he does that they like. I just don't know what it is. <laughs> yeah, what what, it, what what that is, I have no idea. I mean, he's an interesting profile. He's a former rugby player. He's a good athlete, testing-wise. And when his – I think he went to Princeton, right? Princeton or Yale? I know he's an Ivy League kid. Like, it even – I remember watching him after he got drafted. I, I, I do apologize. I can't recall what school he went to. But I remember no- noticing that even on film that he moved well. So, but that's probably the former rugby player, and because in, in rugby everybody has to move. It's not just your little phone booth action that some interior guys have to deal with. He went to Yale. Yale. Just for those who cared. So anyway, long story short, yes, Patrick's day to day, but at this point, without any information, again, this is just me going off what I'm understanding of their situation right now. Um, which we'll talk about in a second, I would think it's going to be Patrick. But we'll get into that more in a second. First, you mm-hmm. brought up this Bill Barnwell article. I know we both kind of glazed over it a little bit. But what was the what, were, what was the gist of that article? The gist of it was they were one of the four teams deemed most likely to take a big step forward or progress in a positive way this year. And funny enough, they did the four teams most likely to regress and come back and normalize. And one of those four teams was actually Minnesota, which – Everyone's already kind of picked up on because of the amount of one-score games they won. Oh, it's crazy. The, the, the number of, yeah, one-score games. I mean, you just take the Bears games, right? Uh, mm-hmm. If there wasn't a fumble by a certain player I refuse to talk about on this podcast anymore in the Vikings game, the, the Bears were marching down the field. They could have very easily won that game. Not that I'm saying – I mean, they got the number one pick. Things happened. We're all good with it. But it wasn't exactly like the Vikings were trouncing people. Nope. But so – uh, again, I didn't heavily read that article, but it makes sense, right, in terms of why uh, the Bears would be a team that's going to make a jump. They lost a bunch of one-score games. The hope is that this offensive line, when healthy, is going to be a pretty solid, like, top, I would go as far as top, at least top 20, if not top 15 unit. Uh, you brought in a DJ Moore. You have your number, two, you know, and all the things to talk about, the run game should be at really solid. The biggest question I think that would prevent them from doing that is do they prevent enough points being scored? Specifically, is their defensive line good enough to stop the run and rush the quarterback? So I have a really weird, not weird, but just a fascinating thought I want to run by you Mm -hmm. because of who Eberflus is. He's the blood from a stone coach, right? Kind of like a John Harbaugh, Sean McDermott when he first got to Buffalo, et cetera, et cetera. These guys that are supposed to get more than the sum of their parts. 
the Bears back four, back five, however you want to quantify the secondary, on top of the guys they brought in for the linebacking core, Noah Sewell, Tremaine Edmonds, TJ Edwards, et cetera, et cetera. Is it possible that in spite of everything, if they even get below average defensive line play, that they're going to be better defensively than any of us think? Because it's clear they bought in. Like the, just how they're they're chirp they're they're very talkative they're very chirpy they're chippy almost like I I know I mentioned Cortland Finnegan a couple episodes back in like her in like a comparison to Tyreek Stevenson like mentality wise but I almost wonder if we can expect and, and I'm not saying Jeff Fisher is who you want to be as a coach but like Jeff Fisher's defense is always played with like a certain level of edge or even like go with the Legion of Boom played with a certain level of edge when they were coming up and getting better. You know, so I, I wonder if that is something we could see where they will themselves to a top 18 unit, top 20 unit. I would say just, so. I would agree. Like yeah. Just because of how they play, how hard they play. Yeah, exactly. I mean, just look just as far back as Ibru Flus's, uh defenses with the Colts. I mean, yes, you had your DeForest Buckners and you had your Shaquille Leonard's of the world. But I mean, like Kenny Moore wasn't anyone until he became Kenny Moore as a part of these defenses. You know, I don't know that you can name that many edges with the Colts off the top of your head that were like Al Qadin Muhammad. Yeah, there you go. There's one. Uh, fantastic. <laughs> um, you know, and then the same thing with the rest of that team. I mean, like it was a bunch of guys who played very well, played hard. That you know, aligned with the hits principle. And there's only one or two like true studs on that team. So yeah, I mean, I absolutely could buy that. I'm not saying it's going to happen, but I have a feeling they're going to be better than we think. And I think they're going to be fun. They're going to have times where they're infuriating because they're young. They're going to make mistakes uh, for as good as Tremaine Edmonds is in terms of taking up space and being a great coverage linebacker. He is not a good run stopper. He's just not. Um, TJ Edwards, while he made improvements in coverage, is more of your true like tackle to tackle. I'm going to run down and, make these tackle he's he's your run stopper he's going to be the guy you rely on like it's very much going to be trying to be reminiscent of Erlacher and Briggs in the 2000s where Erlacher was your coverage run the run the scene take away the deep the deep third and and Briggs was there to play clean up and up and with all the funneling but it's different but same kind of thing absolutely all right so before we get to some of these injuries we're going to talk about uh, we do have to do this little ad read here for oh, fun. our buddy Chris Davia over at Mighty Meals. Uh, Chris Davia puts the personal touch to healthy eating that most meal prep services are missing. I've been using his services for almost three years now and have not looked back. My Mighty Meals are cooked fresh and delivered directly to your home or work weekly in the Chicagoland area. They taste great the day you get them, as well as the final day of your week as you anticipate your next delivery. Each meal is macro-friendly and makes it incredibly easy to track. You can choose from standard meals that are under 500 calories or heftier ones that are between 5 and 750 calories. The meals rotate each week, so I personally never get bored. A few examples, barbecue meatloaf and sweet potatoes, Italian turkey and couscous, Denver tater tot scramble. And then today I had like a chorizo egg hash. It was pretty dang good. Um, need something specific or have dietary restrictions? You can customize your order for just a little bit more. And one of my favorite parts is there isn't a subscription. So order the week you want them, get one meal, get 20 meals. Skip a week, skip a month. It doesn't really matter. So, you know, you're always, you're never wasting any meals. You're never wasting any money. So you can find him on Instagram at my mighty meals and use the code gridiron25 for 25% off your first order at mymighty 
If you haven't done it yet, you absolutely should do it. Totally worth it. Injuries. So if there's any questions, feel free to throw them in chat as we're talking about this. But uh, <laughs> today, there, there we got some good news. Bears tight end Cole Komet practice today after leaving early yesterday. They he never was carted off, right? He was no, he wasn't carted off. He was like slowly wobbled off. Was kind of the thing. So he was wobble baby, wobble baby, wobble baby, wobble. Yeah. Um, and they didn't really get into it at all. Uh, and actually, I know there were a couple tweets that were up. They were taken down. The Bears were pretty secretive with whatever was going on there with Komet. I, I for one, am shocked by that. Yeah. Right. Um, and that's, the, and that's what a lot of this is going to be. And there's going to, you know, if you, you can look, I had a little Twitter rant yesterday about this, um, where, <laughs> you know, as the media, there's a certain level of, okay, I just need to report what's happening. And then the flair that you're putting on it. Yeah. If you're just going to list the 20 players, like, Hey, these 20 players did not participate. Great. All right. Thank you for the information. But then mm-hmm. when you do that, and then at the end of it, say, this is concerning. And it's like, like you're just making the bears fans freak the hell out. Like just logically, logically, right. There's 53 people mm-hmm. ultimately on the final roster at what 90 ish now. And then of those mm-hmm. 20 people that were listed, a lot of those were starters and important people. Logically, how you really think that this team is that banged up that there's like 15 important people who are truly in dire straits for week one. That doesn't even make sense. It doesn't. What it feels like more is precautionary. I don't want to say like to your to your like little title down here, the 3D chess. It, it probably is some gamesmanship, but it's also probably just we know that that Iberflus is running a tough camp and running a tough practice, tough practices, very much like Sean McDermott or Harbaugh notoriously runs hard practices. Andy Reid allegedly runs some of the hardest practices in the in the league. It might just be getting these guys rest and getting them ramped up for the season. After a hard camp, that's probably the more logical answer, right? Like, maybe I'm being optimistic, but it feels logical. Not, oh, well, a third of your starters, they're done. Like, re- week one, scroll, cross them off. Oh, absolutely. I, that's where I'm aligned at. That, in terms of things I've heard, in terms of also just logically what we're thinking. I mean, here's an example. So, Yannick Ngakwe and Rasheem Green were also back, right? Because they were not playing earlier. Why would, let's use logic. Why would Yannick Ngakwe not be participating in practice? Maybe because he needed, needs more ramp up time. And because, you know, he did have a really hard cold tweak when he was, when he came off the street, was he doing his own workouts? Yeah, absolutely. But then he came into, you know, the the training camp and yeah, that's, that's hard to do. So you probably need a little bit of a break there. People who were also were back, Deontay Foreman and Travis Homer were both all for full go. That's, they just had some time off. Not that crazy. Now, there are some people that still were not participating today, including Eddie Jackson, Jaquan Brisker, Claypool, Phyllis Jones, Darnell Wright, Nate Davis, Lucas Patrick, like I said, day to day, Demarcus Walker, Tevin Jenkins, Blackwell, Gates, Pettis, Reed, Cole, Ebner, Jones. So when you read it off like that, it sounds horrible, but some of them we know. Jenkins is going to be out for a couple weeks. Duh. Davis has been in and out the whole time, so I'm not – that's just whatever at this point. I don't even care. He, I, if he, He's going to show up. It, it definitely he's going to show up when when the games count and everything matters. It very much feels like some of the stuff that was starting to kind of emanate out of Nashville, yeah, that he just doesn't like to practice and doesn't really care to, might be true. Now, if that's if that's the case, I wonder if uh, the front office and coaching staff got freaked by the okie doke to quote Stuart Scott, as it were. Like that, maybe they thought they could change him, and he just was like, "Yeah, give me my money. I'll totally change." He got it, and he was like, "Yeah, I'm good." 
Thanks. <laughs> He's a good player. He, but it just doesn't. It. I got. I, I reiterated on the show several times. I hope if anything was seriously wrong or he had some sort of family issue, that it would it would resolve. Well, we haven't gotten wind of anything. It just sounds like he kind of just doesn't want to do it. And that's well, whatever. That with to an extent with Tremaine Edmonds, right? Like he was interviewed uh, when he hit the presser. He was asked, where were you? What was going on? He's like, I had some personal stuff I was taking care of. And it's like, okay, you're back. That's all I care about. Wake yeah. me up when it's week one and there's an injury report and, you know, someone says hamstring doubtful. Then I'll be concerned. Yeah, exactly. But I know someone did specifically ask here. Um, Clay, uh, I am Scott's asked, Claypool has been on the field in weeks concerned. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm not concerned in terms of him playing week one. Even when he came off the field, it wasn't like he was carted off. It wasn't like, you know, he was heavily limping. It was just he kind of came up a little lame during that play uh, with Tyreek Stevenson. But at most, it'd be like, a eh, maybe a little conditioning-iness to it, but, like, not in terms of playing. And it shouldn't affect him wholeheartedly. To me, it just always – with that, it just seems like soft tissue issues are always so finicky. Like you could feel fine, feel fine. You rush him back because the player says, "Hey, you're feeling fine." Because sometimes you got to protect players from themselves, right? 100%. Like it seems like maybe they're just protecting him from himself. Like he could probably practice, but why risk him re-aggravating the hamstring when you want him for week one? And he is really kind of viable to be your true other outside wide receiver at this, or not outside, but your true, you're like your Alan Lazar role, which would be almost like your secondary wide receiver in this in this offense that gets he's trying to create well again outside of dj Moore, i would argue chase is the most second most important wide receiver you have because there isn't another player on the roster that can do what he does in theory right right absolutely if if he used his full components of skills and as you know you put it didn't act like a small guy in a big body Just saying, like no, I agree. I'm like not, there are times not, he doesn't I'm play. Not, big I'm, not do, I'm not doing this today. Looks I like Tarzan. Pit, there are times. Like, he, I know. I know. I know. Looks like Tarzan plays like Jane. It's fine. <laughs> but there's not anyone else really on the roster that fits that true like X type, right? Then that's that's and why he's, he's not going to. And he's really not going to be an X anyway. He's going to be like Lazard was. That's what they envisioned him being was a souped up Alan Lazard. And in theory, if he is, if you can, if you could put Alan Lazard and like crack him out and make him like the supreme athlete that'd be a hell of a player if he had alan lazard's work ethic and almost like moxie to him because alan lazard is a self-made player in the nfl um this is a good question from cornelia squalls uh is it me just me or am i the only one concerned about white hair playing guard with one hand i think we saw this a little bit even last year with lucas patrick i mean he had a clubbed up hand that entire time playing inside it affects your blocking does it not I'm concerned about Cody Whitehair playing in general. He looked after he got back from the injury last year like he was washed. Cody washed hair. He well, it was better than dirty hair. Um, <laughs> this is the entertainment people tune in for, Mason. Exactly. Right? And so, is it a concern? Yeah, I mean, because your offensive line play is grabbing and holding. I mean, it's just basically how much holding can you get away with. So, if you're playing with a, I don't know what he's going to be playing with, but if it's a club. That sucks. That's really hard. Go back to Kyle Long even. I mean, yes, he was doing tackle at the time, but that was really rough for him. Um, If it's just a heavily braced hand, it's still going to be tougher, you know? But at the end of the day, you is a mangled, whatever mangled is. It's not like he's 
Jason Pierre-Paul or anything, but is, is an injured <laughs> is an injured hand Cody Whitehair better than the next option, right? If you're playing Madden and he's injured and you look at his rating, is he a 74 with the injury and your next option's a 70? Then you go with your 74. Well, no, what you do is you go sign the highest rated tackle in Madden, you move him to guard, and he immediately gets like six overall better because it's Madden. God, Madden is so stupid sometimes. Like, I don't know why. <laughs> I literally take three-year gaps between buying it because it's just the same thing and the same stupidity. Um, one thing to touch on, it's a little bit of old news now, but we do, I think, have to talk about Darnell Wright a little bit just because, you know, it, it was a big freak out and all that jazz. If you look, I'm leaning the wrong direction. If you look eh, right there, if you're watching live, right? I mean, you can barely even see that brace. That thing is tiny. I know it's not the biggest picture in the world if you're watching live. If you're listening to the podcast, he's wearing like a super tiny ankle brace. It doesn't look like a brace. It's a sleeve. It looks like what something I would wear if I rolled my ankle playing pickup basketball as a 33-year-old man. Yeah. He didn't, <laughs> come out in, like. he didn't come out in a boot. He didn't come out in crutches, right? So I'm, I'm ruling out high ankle sprain just from that alone. It's most likely an ATFL, the anterior telofibrillar ligament, like the lateral ankle sprain, just when, you know, the foot goes in, the body goes out. Just like Danny talked about, you know, you land on someone's foot a little weird and basketball goes. Week one is so far away. He's going to be fine. It's, yeah, it's, it's it's probably a like to to dumb it down for the people listening. It's it's a roll. He mildly sprained his shit. It sounds like that's it. And then there's other people attached to. Well, he was he was limping off the field. He was limping the next day. Again, imagine the last time you had an ankle sprain. Like you probably were limping for a couple of days. It happens. Just remember to do your rice method. You're fine. Oh, don't do the rice method. For fuck that thing. No, so you, we're done with the rice method. It's, it's we don't no more rest, ice compression, elevate. Now it's, it's I just I know this. I just have to get you on your soapbox sometimes because you almost did it with me and Claypool. That's yeah, I know. Uh, I'm trying to now remember like what the new stupid um, thing is. All right, I'm not going to be able to figure this out. I'm going to keep looking as we talk about this stuff. Um, <laughs> Darnell Wright, Tevin Jenkins, not going to spend a lot of... No, oh, yeah, I think I, I think I already found it. Um, we're not going to talk about Tevin Jenkins a lot. In theory, we're, we're hearing that it's a double calf strain. That one is a little more oomph than the, the strain, uh, sprain excuse me, of the ligament just because soft tissue, as Danny talked about earlier, is always tougher, especially both legs. Like, you know, it's like, hey, I hold my hammy you can kind of like lean on the other leg if you do both of them it, it's kind of hard um and at the end of the day it's about deloading and then slowly reloading hence why the timeline is what it is um they say six weeks my guess is it could be as early as four so you might see him week two it could be as long as six so you, you might see him week four but honest to god i wonder if depending on how this weekend goes with with white hair getting reps at left guard. I wonder if you hear a phone call to Dalton Risner happen, or if you see them claim someone who who gets waived and they like, or if someone gets cut unexpectedly who who's been underperforming in their current situation and has a bit of a bloated cat number or something like that, because they just can't. I can't imagine a scenario where you're just like. You did this last year with with Patrick and Whitehair, or you tried to, and it became Mustafer and Whitehair, and it didn't work then. Why would it work now? That's no, one hundred percent agree with that. Uh, uh, that's just my personal two cents on that. I, Dalton Risner would make a ton of sense, and it's actually kind of funny because 
I remember Risner coming out, coincidentally from Kansas State, was a very similar prospect to Cody Whitehair coming out also of Kansas State. <laughs> There's something for continuity, right? And that's I, I would assume that's what they're going for. They're saying what we have the in camp, we want to keep started. it, all that jazz. But at some point, if your thing is, hey, just tell the dude, block the person to your left or right, block the person in front of you. Like, if they're just skills are better, at some point, just go get the person. You know what I mean? Right. Um, but we'll see. When, when cutout day happens, there should be some shuffling. Um, one more thing I wanted to bring up. Actually, I guess we should leave those two. All right. QB2 competition up for grabs, according to Luke Getze, according to Eberflus. Does that matter for you? And if so, what do you think about it? I don't think it matters much because Peterman, Peterman, the, the Peterman, isn't vying for that spot. He's already had the conversation. Yeah. Do you actually think they're going to make their quarterback to an undrafted free agent from a subdivision, like a low-level competition? I personally, if you're actually – making all things equal. I don't mind the idea because if Justin goes down for an extended period of time anyway, it's over with. This season's down the toilet. But, but if it's for a week or two because Justin sprains his off-throwing wrist or something like that because he gets hit and braces himself going to the ground, something stupid like that, you know? Yeah. The coaching staff is going to want a steady hand in the vein of a similar player. P.J. Walker isn't Justin Field. Will never be Justin Field, but he can do similar-ish things. That being said, PJ Walker has been nothing short of awful this preseason. Oh, he's been terrible. He's been god awful. Like unwatchable awful. <laughs> I almost think it doesn't matter if that makes sense cuz I think they're going to keep three quarterbacks, especially with this new emergency quarterback rule. Um, I think uh, Hogan Johns had a really good interview today with Josh Lucas, right? Um, former. I haven't had the chance to listen yet. It's That's really good. Go ahead and listen to it. He does a good. I'm surprised he was as open as he was with some of the conversation he had. But one of the things he brings up, it sounds very cold and callous, but it's so true. You win games with your your first 30 players on your team. You don't win games because of the last 10. And he even went as far as saying, you know, that last five to 10 ish uh, people on the end of your roster, they're interchangeable. And it's, it's, that's rough to hear, but to an extent they are like your 53rd, 52nd person is not going to make or break your team, unfortunately for that person. Yeah. I mean, but on, on top of that, if you are have, I hate this word because it has a tarnish to it now, but conviction that Tyson Badgins eventually, you know, maybe next year or whatever could be your viable backup. You do not put him to waivers just in case some quarterback needy team snags him. You hold three quarterbacks. You, one's going to be inactive on game day. That's fine. Just decide that day who that's going to be, depending on what you're seeing in practice and all that jazz. And you move on with your life. I don't know. It, it, I don't think it matters who's two and who's three right now. Yeah, I agree with you. I do agree with that wholeheartedly. And I do think Bajan's made it from they're not going to carry two. Maybe we can sneak him onto the practice squad too. It's if you want him, you're going to have to keep him on the 53. He's played too well. Yeah, exactly. Um, also, I found the acronym. So all those price people and rice people. So no more of that. It's peace and love. I can't believe I forgot that. 
So that stands for protection, elevation, avoid anti-inflammatories, compression, education, and load, optimism, vascularization, exercise. The love part is super important. Don't just sit with your foot hanging in the air. You got to load it. You got to exercise, move it. And that was my mini soapbox thing about that. Um, You're welcome, listeners. Yes. And last bit here before we get into some Buffalo Bills talk, running back one competition and if you're listening to the podcast i'm putting it in air quotes a i guess it's open the running backs coach said that um that you know i'm blanking herbert is the rb1 but that at the same time you know eberflus is talking about how we'll see what happens between running back two running back three da, 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 da. let's say once the roster is set you have your 53 for week one does mm-hmm. it matter again no, because I just don't think they're going to have some running back last year, like Montgomery when he was healthy, who's going to be taking 75% of the carries. Now, I'm spitballing that number. I don't know what the percentage was that Montgomery actually got, but he was he was outpacing Herbert when he was healthy. And that's one thing I think we're going to miss about Montgomery was just Cyborg, Wolverine, whatever he was, not to go off on a tangent, but he just never seemingly got seriously hurt despite how it looked. But I think you're going to see a lot of – Deontay Foreman was a good, productive, efficient runner last year, one of the five most efficient runners in the league. Same thing with Khalil Herb. They both have inadequacies, inadequacies that Travis Homer doesn't have in terms of pass blocking and pass catching, ones that Roshan Johnson doesn't have in terms of versatility and ability to line up in different areas. Like say if they want to run him as a fullback and sometimes just to get him on the field with a Khalil Herbert or a Deontay Foreman. I think they're going to use these guys a lot by committee. Now, and I know that's happened the MO of, of a uh, green Bay in the past where they were literally just running two running backs and the third and fourth guys are just special teamers or emergency players at per a conversation I had with Jonathan Wood earlier today, but that's not, gets his offense. That was an offense he was a stat member on, but this is his offense. Like, I just, I don't see a situation in which these guys aren't all getting some touches. Right, exactly. And then week, week to week, that should change too, right? I mean, week one, mm-hmm. it's a, I don't know, whatever, 60-20-20 split. And then all of a sudden it flips where it's, a, you know, 40-30-30. Like, and then it's just, it's going to be all over the place. I don't think like for example, from fantasy football perspective, I don't know that any one of these running backs is someone that you're going to be like happy having on your fantasy team because you're not going to know what you're going to get any single week. And I fully believe, and this is still maybe just me drinking the Kool-Aid that by the last four weeks of the season, that more consistently Roshan Johnson will be out snapping the other two, but that's just my thought process. That's my thought process as well, especially because a fourth-round pick on running back is a high pick. And J2K brought up a point. There's some people saying that De'Anthony Foreman could be a surprise cut. Maybe, like, and I know Poles had the quote where he was like, well, you were surprised he was there. Guys, you got to take some of these quotes GMs say about the draft with a grain of salt. How many times do we hear a guy that got in the third round was number one on their board? or top five on their board and would have been a first rounder for them or had they been picking later in the round. It's, it's speak to get to be excited about a guy they got. All things being equal, Roshan Johnson was projected to be a third or fourth round pick because of workload in college and just him not having a ton of film. It's the nature of it. 
I just, could, could they could they be really excited to have him? Yes, that can be true. Could they also be overselling the fact that they were completely and overly shocked that he was there? Yes, they could. That could also be true because I think personally they were trying to draft a, a center in that round or in round three, and they got they got sniped. It yeah, happens. like the likes of like a Juice Scruggs and Scruggs, Ricky Stromberg. Yeah, I think they went later. They went earlier than they expected them to go. Mm-hmm. But yeah, hundred percent agreed. I mean, at some point, yes, you got to make some cuts somewhere. Um, the whole Tevin Jenkins thing makes it complicated. How many linemen do you keep? Um, I mean, I think it's only for six receivers. You know, the def- the edge is another group that's like, well, how many of those guys do you keep? At some point, you got to start making some harder cuts. I just don't necessarily think it's going to be the running back room. I truly believe they're going to carry those three we just talked about. I think they're going to keep Travis Homer because of special teams and because of his third down ability. And then Kyrie blasting game also counts in there. So I think you're going to have like five running backs. Yeah, I agree with that. And especially because I, I don't think I'm going much on a limb. I think they're probably going to be close to the most run heavy team in the league. They're just going to run the ball. Like right or wrong. It's just that they were the, Second most efficient running team in the league, and I believe they led the league in rushing yards last year. They're going to run the football. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's it's just it's a part of that whole offensive style, right? It's part of the DNA of that offense. And you have very explosive running backs. I mean, everything from the advanced stats for Herbert are fantastic in terms of his explosiveness. Uh, we don't really know much about Roach on this potential. And we saw that Deontay Foreman was also one of the most efficient runners last year when he got the reins when CMC was traded. So, you know, and Deontay Foreman would be a running back one on a handful of teams in the cross NFL. Like, you're not just going to cut that person. I just don't see it. The other part of it is kind of going back to the Montgomery thing of him being Cyborg or Wolverine. One of these guys, one of these backs is going to get nicked up. Yep. It's the nature of that position where they're going to miss three weeks. They're going to yank a hamstring or they're going to get concussed or they're going to, I don't know, sprain an ankle, whatever it might be. Turf toe, I know, is another real common running back injury. You know, like where these guys are gonna, it's gonna happen. Like, like, say what you want about Montgomery and his inabilities, he was healthy a lot. I just, why would you cut a productive, cheap NFL running back because he just doesn't fit your fit your roster? I, it doesn't make sense to me. And you're not going to get anything from him to trade. Right. I mean, anything you get would be inconsequential compared to what he actually brings to your team. Right. Sorry. I, I, and I'm not like some sort of form and truther. It just seems like a stupid move. That's all. Uh, all right. Little Buffalo Bills preseason game preview. I don't think there's a ton to talk about here, mm-hmm. uh, but this is, is going to be the only the second time and the last time that we get to see – some of the ones, some of the starters, whoever that might be, uh, before week one of the season. So what are you looking for out of the starters on offense? What are you looking for on the starters, the defense, that play? Um, starters on offense, some sort of continuity, get get in and out of the huddle well, which I know sounds really mundane and stupid to some listeners, like just get it, but it matters. Get in and out of the huddle, get, get lined up, run, have Justin throw down field a little bit, like you said, that he had literally negative air yards in his three attempts this preseason. Have him have him try some stuff. Like I know fans hate hearing about the interceptions at practice, and they don't want to see him throw picks in against vanilla defenses in preseason. It's practice, guys. 
at a certain point, you just got to try shit, see if it works, see if he, if he, and if he makes a mistake, learn from it. Like, I want to see him make a th- few throws. I would truthfully, if, if things broke the way I, I would like them to in an ideal world, I would like to see the first team offense out there for a quarter. But is that logical? I don't know. I'm going to go back to what I said for preseason game one, where I want to see one sustained 10 to 12 play. The defense made you right dink and dunk and earn your way to a touchdown, to a score, because that was something that's we, we saw in week one of the preseason that they can get explosive plays. We saw last year they can get explosive plays. Sometimes it's through the air and more often than not, it was through the ground. Right. But can you, when the defense says, nope, we're, we're going to hold you here, can you make that 10 to 12 play drive and make the medium throws, right? Can we? Can you make that two-yard flat throw that becomes six? Can you make that 12-yard dig pass that you need? That's what I really would like to see out of them. On I agree Sunday. with that. And to that point with the – I always call it the death by a thousand paper cuts. Like you're just – you're trying to get off the field. You're trying to get off the field. You're not because they're just – they're getting four. They're getting four. They're getting five. They're getting three. Um, yeah, the, the DJ Moore touchdown and the Cleo Herbert touchdown were great. The throws weren't accurate. On the screen plays you make or on the little out routes you throw, be accurate. I just, like, even if you're accurate two out of three or one out of every two, like, where it doesn't feel like, oh, God, they had to adjust, that feels good. That feels better than DJ Moore having to boot scoot or back scoot two, two steps to go get the football and then run upfield. Right. But that's why you pay DJ more. I'm not saying make everything perfect. No, I'm saying just make it so it looks a little easier once in a while. Um, considering he's been back defensively, I'm hoping to see Tremaine Edmonds and see what he looks like in this defense. Just what mm-hmm. – just what impression he's going to make, um, how hard is it going to be for uh, Josh Allen. And that's actually a really good example. Josh Allen, someone who's got a really strong arm, uh, sometimes has a little touch issue. How does he throw up and around someone like a Tremaine mm-hmm. Edmonds? And then, you know, also against a mobile quarterback, what does this pass rush look like? Now, it's not going to be anything crazy. We know that, but you know, they're not going to do all these different stunts. But who – and we, I used to list that as a uh, as a position that's kind of a crowded room, but at the same time, like, not the best room. So – Who's going to set themselves apart and say, no, I need a spot on this team? It's a a good one. Um, I want to, if you're saying to that degree, when the starters are out there, I would like to see if against this receiver group grouping with Diggs and Gabe Davis and all these guys, I want to see if that level of swagger and saltiness kind of holds up where you see them, even if it's like an incomplete pass that, that Allen just turfs, like, are you still being that way? Like I, I would like to see if that continues to carry over. Yeah. It's dumb, but I, I really believe, especially in football, more than any other sport, these mental gymnastics these guys put themselves through to get themselves fired up and get themselves ready. And I guess lastly, just one like random deep cut kind of one. Um, who, who's the first, who's the second, who's the third one out there returning punts? I'm just going to be curious on what that looks like. Right now, Velas hasn't practiced in a while, so – I don't know if he's going to be playing in this game. I would lean towards no. If he's not, is Dante Pettis back there? It's just going to be one of those things where it's a problem until it's not. So That's the one guy I got in terms of – Valus may make it through the initial 53-man cut. I'm not convinced that he will. 
But I have a feeling, like you alluded to or not alluded to, but said earlier in the show, the bottom eight guys on this roster kind of don't matter. They just don't. Um, You're absolutely right. They're they're. Inter- I hate saying it because I do know some of the players and all that. They're interchangeable. It's the fiftieth player is not going to be the reason you win week seven. Win week twelve. Yeah. So I'm not wondering if we see like another five, six, seven waiver claims. And Valus might be one of the first guys off because a kick returner gets raved. You know, like that it's just something to keep an eye on, especially because he's just not a good punt returner. And to I saw uh in our chat Jacob Infante mentioned it that is being the best kick return in the NFL any more valuable than being the best fullback in the NFL anymore? Uh, I, I don't. I would probably say the best fullback. I'd rather take like a Kyle like today. Juszczyk. Yeah, I was gonna say like if like literally like today, if you could give me the option between a Kyle Uzcheck, who I was gonna go with, or and I'm gonna break some hearts here, or like Devin Hester. I mean, I'm just gonna, and he can only play kick return. Like we're not saying punt return. Uh, mm-hmm. I'm going to take Kyle Juszczyk because I can use him a lot. Yeah. I, at exactly. this point, you're just going to kick it out of the damn end zone every damn time. Right. So I kind of don't care that Bayless's value is that he's a really good kick returner. Like, I can find kick returners on the street. I always, I keep going back to the comments that Poles had, specifically even again back on another Hogan Johns episode, where it seemed like they were going to give – Bayless every damn opportunity possible to lose that job. And this was at, and this is, you know, even after the, the miscues in that first week. So mm-hmm. we'll see. We'll see. Yeah, we will. All right. That's all we got tonight. Uh, got stuff to do place to be. Um, if you're here live, really appreciate that. Thank you for interacting in the chat. Always love the questions. Um, come back, do that again. We're going to answer it as going to get to as many comments as possible. If you're listening to the podcast later, throw some comments on YouTube, something like that, just so we know you're listening and we'll always try to respond to those Mm -hmm. as we go, but we appreciate y'all tuning in with us every Thursday. Uh, The next couple weeks are going to be a little, we're not hundred percent sure what that's going to look like. I mean, there's not really going to be a lot of football to talk about. Maybe roster cut stuff, maybe not, but other than, so we may not have another episode till before week one. If we don't, we'll see you then. But Otherwise, yeah, maybe we'll sneak another one in. Who knows? Bye. Time will tell. Toodaloo.